0: And welcome to 30 Days of Terror Day 19. Oh, you do. I've got a little visitor next to me who's been very dramatic at the moment. It's very hot, as I've been repeatedly saying. Bim is also <laughs> very hot. She spends about 90% of her time on the sofa. And right now, she's flopped down beside me like she's on the verge of death. Mostly because she wants her dinner early. Yeah,
1: she's after, she's after food. That's all it is. See, she does look very wiped out. <laughs>
0: You might hear some little pitiful meows in the background of this. Bless her. So I've got three stories for you today.
1: I just am hoping with all the will in the world and all the momentum that I can find that these stories are not on the similar subject to Abby's story from last from yesterday. I cannot handle three stories in those veins. Veins, in those veins.
0: Can't do it. Story number one comes from Jessica. When I was about 10 my maternal grandmother passed away, it was October 1998 and my nephew was born in December 1998 so he had never met her. My brother never had photos of my grandmother as we lived in California and she lived in Oregon so we didn't see her much. When my nephew was around 3 or 4 my brother and cousins had gone to visit my uncle who had lived with my grandmother in Oregon. When he was there, he was able to grab and bring home photos of my grandmother and he put one on the refrigerator. The very day he put it up, my four-year-old nephew pointed at the picture and said, Look, Daddy, it's Grandma. My brother, knowing he had never met her, asked him how he knew who that was and my nephew said, She comes and plays with me in my room sometimes when my brothers are at school. There's half-brothers, so they had never met her either. My brother asked his stepsons if they knew the old lady in the photograph and they said no. We weren't bearded out as my grandmother was loving and always played with the grandchildren and great-grandchildren rather than conversing with adults. A few years later when I was 14 or 15 my uncle that lived with my grandmother in Oregon moved in with us. He was partially blind and suffered from seizures and couldn't live on his own anymore. After he'd been there for a month or so, I was sleeping in my bedroom that was next to the room that my uncle slept in. I had a dream of my deceased grandmother sitting in my room with me on my bed. In the dream, she tells me to wake up that I need to check on my uncle. I'm suddenly startled awake. And the first thing I notice is the smell in my room. It smelled of my grandmother. A mixture of black licorice and baby powder. Then, moments later, I hear wood rattling against the wall next to me. I remembered what my grandmother said in my dream and went to check on my uncle. I knocked and he didn't answer, but the rattling continued. So I opened the door slowly, noticing his bedside light was on and my uncle was in bed having a seizure. I called my mother and she was able to get him into a safe position until the seizure stopped. I told my uncle and mother the dream I had and we all agree that my grandmother was there looking out for my uncle. As the position he was in, he probably would have fallen off the bed during the seizure. In 2009, I moved into a house that my ex-boyfriend bought. It was a two-storey home built in the 50s or 60s, where I assumed the second story was added later. It was just the two of us, and there was no official master bedroom with a bathroom attached, so we slept in the downstairs bedroom. And the two rooms upstairs were rarely used. My ex travelled a lot for work, so we decided to get two cats to keep me company while he was gone. I really wanted a dog, but I wasn't at home during the day to train it. After we started remodelling rooms in the house, taking down drywall to put in insulation, painting, etc., I started noticing my cats always playing on the stairs. Oftentimes, I would see them sitting and staring at the corner of the first landing. My ex just choked it up to them staring at bugs or spiders. A month later, I noticed them batting at what seemed to be nothing on the same landing. Now, this wasn't like batting at a bug, but more like grabbing at a hand, as their paw wouldn't come together. There were also times where they would sit up on their back legs and arch like they were being pet. I fully believed that there was a ghost or something there, but it didn't bother me, as the cats seemed to be okay with it and I never got a bad feeling. This home was in the Bay Area near San Francisco, so it never got super cold, but my ex was always cold and kept the house pretty warm. The house would be a good 70-75 to degrees. I figured since we never went upstairs it would be cold, but since it was central heating it kept the whole house warm. But even with the house being so warm, whenever I would go upstairs, the first landing was always significantly colder. My ex said it was due to the window on the staircase. But why only there? Why not the bedrooms upstairs, especially since one of those windows had a crack in it from a neighbour's kid throwing rocks and it hadn't been repaired? What solidified my feeling there was a ghost was when my brother came to live with us for a few months. He'd been having trouble finding a job, so I got him a job where I worked, and after his probation period, he could transfer back to Southern California to a store down there. While my brother was living there, we would go to work together, getting up at 4am. To wake him, I would go upstairs and knock the same knock every time, one and then two in rapid succession. I wouldn't wait for him to get up as he was a light sleeper. I'd just go back down and have a shower. One morning we were driving to work and my brother asked what time I went to sleep the previous night. I told him I went to sleep at around 9.30pm. He then told me how he couldn't sleep, so he was listening to music and he heard a knock on the door. The same exact pattern I did to wake him up in the morning. He had responded, come in, as he looked at the clock and it was only midnight. But the door did not open so we went to it, opened it and there was nothing there. It was then that I told him about how the cats act on the stairs. He also didn't feel uneasy so he just shrugged it off. It happened several more times, some while listening to music, some while playing video games. Same knock, no answer and no one at the door. One night it happened while he was dozing off to sleep. That night. Instead of getting up and checking the door, he simply said, can you please not do that while I'm trying to sleep? I have to work early. And he never heard it again after that. Up until the day I moved out after breaking up with my ex, the landing was always cold and the cats still played there a lot. I still on occasion talked to my ex as it wasn't a bad split. He told me that before he had moved out, he spoke to the neighbour who had lived in in his house since the 60s. And told my ex that there was a man about 50 that used to live in the house with his wife and they had two cats. He had passed away in the house after having a heart attack on the stairs. When his wife found him, the two cats were snuggling against him. No doubt that it was that man who had been playing with my cats on the stairs and messing with my brother.
1: That's quite nice. I think Jessica made quite a big point all the way through of saying how she was. It didn't bother her because she didn't feel uneasy or unsure of what was going on. And I think that is actually a really good point. I think it depends on how, we, like, how we react to stuff like this. It really does depend on how we're feeling in general, doesn't it?
0: I really do think that animals, like children, are potentially super perceptive oh, yeah, to, the, to the to the other world. And I think that if my cats were happy with it, I'd be like, fine.
1: Yeah, if, if it was Bim and she was playing, I'd be a bit shocked that she was playing to start with. But then, if she's not scared, nothing to worry about, really, is it?
0: Yeah, I'll just be okay with it, I think.
1: Yeah. And it was a sweet story about the grandma as well, coming back to see the nephew that she never met. Yeah. It's
0: very cute. And saving the uncle.
1: Yeah, and saving the uncle as well. Yeah, good stories. Good stories. Yeah. Jessica, thank you for not including anything about talking dolls in your story. And our
0: second story today comes from Gina. I was about 19 years old, living in a house full of women in Sacramento, California. My mother, my aunt, and my cousin Lita and her brother Sonny, who was just a baby. My mom and my aunt partied a lot at the time, so we always had people coming and going. We always had our family and friends over, so the doors were regularly unlocked. My mother smoked at the time, so the windows were open or unlocked as well. We also had a few cats that my mother left the back door open for, so they can just come in and out. The back door was actually a side door that we frequently used to go in and out of if we parked in the driveway. This was a safe neighbourhood, for the most part, and this was a normal way of life for us. It was just how we lived, open. Our house was a craftsman-style house with hardwood floors, which meant that you could hear everything. If someone was in the living room moving around, you would know exactly where they were. You could tell where the sound was coming from. My mother was at her boyfriend's house and was not planning on coming home. I was relaxing with my aunt and my cousin after being out all day. My aunt and the baby went to bed and my cousin went to call her boyfriend in our room. I hung out a bit longer watching TV when I had a feeling like maybe I should shut the windows tonight. This is not a normal thing to do. As I said, we lived a really open life. But regardless, I proceeded to walk all around the house and close and lock the windows. Then I noticed all of the cats were inside. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go ahead and lock the back door too. I started getting ready for bed. By the time I went into the bedroom, a little after midnight, my cousin Lita was asleep. I laid down and was just about to fall asleep myself when my best friend calls me from Seattle. This is the mid-90s, so he did not have cell phones at the time. I hurried to pick it up since it's 12.30 at this point and I don't want the ringer to wait anyone. The thing is, he has never called me this late. He had moved to Seattle a few months back. It had been over a month since we last talked. I was like, what are you doing and why in the heck are you calling me so late? Is everything Okay. He said, I'm good. I don't know why I called. I just had a feeling like I should give you a call. We started catching up and while we were talking, I heard something at the back door, like somebody jiggling the handle trying to unlock it. I said to him that I think I can hear something at the back door. And he told me to go and check it out. And I all of a sudden felt this fear and said, I really don't want to go and check it out. I went anyway, and I told him to hold on while I checked, and I put the phone down. I proceeded to grab a hanger. Thinking about it now, what the hell was a hanger going to do? Anyway, that's just what I grabbed. I walked over to the kitchen, and it sounded like keys jingling. So I went back to the phone and said, I think it's my mom. She has keys to get in, so I'm not going to open the door. I'm gonna to go to bed, I'll call you later. Once I hung up the phone, I noticed the cats were going crazy. They were darting all around, ears back, eyes wide, looking in every direction. And I started feeling even more scared, so I tried waking my cousin. Lita, get up, I think I hear something outside. She wouldn't wake up. She later told me she was in one of those sleeps like sleep paralysis where you are aware but can't move or wake yourself up. I sat down and listened. I started hearing noises all around the house and couldn't pinpoint as to where they were coming from. Someone walked on the gravel at the side of the house. Then it sounded like footsteps in the house and knocking noises. It sounded like noises were coming from everywhere. And then something hit the wall on the side of the house and my cousin sat straight up and said, I heard that. We decided to call 911. But stupid teenagers argued. Doesn't it cost money to call 911? Oh, we don't want to rack up the phone bill. So we called 411, which costs money to connect us to 911. That didn't. <laughs> Ridiculous. I do wish I still had the audio from that call, and I would have attached it if I did. I whispered to the operator I think someone is trying to get into the house. Or they're inside the house, I don't know. It sounds like ghosts walking through the hallway, but there are noises everywhere. We were huddled in the corner of our room. We didn't want to leave the spot or try to go to my aunt's room because we would have to walk through the hallway to do it. We were way too scared to do that. The operator said, There are officers on the way. Don't move from where you are. They'll be there in two minutes. Stay on the phone and continue talking with me. We did as she said and continued to describe what we were hearing. A minute later, we heard the loudest pounding on the floor, like heavy boots were stomping and running down the hallway. We screamed and the operator yelled, ''What's happening?'' We were crying at this point, saying it sounded like someone was running in the house, that someone had broken in. The operator then said that the police were there. We heard them yelling outside, ''Put your hands in the air.'' put your fucking hands in the air they had caught a man that was halfway inside one of our windows the only one i apparently did not lock it was really high up on that side of the house so the perpetrator found a box and stool in our garage to stand on to be able to reach the window terrifying I believe you don't get very many instances where you can see the outcome of the choices you made based on feelings that you had. This time, amazingly, I could. If I hadn't felt the need to lock the windows, or if the cats hadn't been inside, I wouldn't have locked the back door. If my friend didn't call me, I would have been asleep. And this man, which I think they only caught one and I believe another got away, was a third striker for burglary and rape and would have made it inside the house the reason I believe there were multiple men is because the loud banging sound we heard was from the outside doors that cover the basement entrance in the backyard they're like storm doors someone was standing on that trying to open a bathroom window that was directly above the basement entrance I think when the cops arrived they bolted but where did my feelings come from? I'd like to think and believe there was some divine intervention, that God or an angel sent whispers to keep me and my family safe. Or was it something like, did I notice someone watching, but I just didn't register it? Did I pass by these men earlier in the day and maybe they creeped me out, so I subconsciously wanted to keep us safe? But then that wouldn't explain my friend having the feeling that he needed to call me when he did. I kind of think they staked us out. And were watching us for a long time to know that only women lived in the house. My cousin and I have had a lot of crazy things happen to us in our early teen years. Paranormal wise. Because of course we played the Ouija board. Gross and stupid. Which was super scary. And I'll send you some more stories about that. But this, this was a real physical situation averted. And sometimes reality is way more terrifying.
1: Absolutely.
0: I mean, that has really made me question what Gina said. Like, how many times have you gone with that good feeling and not seen the result of it? Yeah. And that is terrifying. Yep, absolutely.
1: That's why I always have a panic every time I'm upstairs that I've left the front window open. Yeah. And most of the time I haven't, but I always go and check.
0: Just in case.
1: But it's just, it's terrifying really, isn't it, that other people would be like that.
0: If you can hear some scary nursery rhyme music in the background, it's because it's an ice cream truck. Just want to clarify that. You know, it's not some sort of possessed doll (laughs) knocking around our house.
1: Thank goodness. It is
0: indeed an ice cream truck. So yeah, I just, Mm. I I completely agree with the sentiment of going with your gut instinct on things in lots of different situations. Whether that's a job interview or whether that's meeting somebody new or going on a first date. Always go with your gut instinct because... Mm your body is somehow designed to be alert to danger that you don't even consciously notice.
1: The friend ringing from Seattle was cool as well, wasn't it? So weird. At that time of night as well, because it's not, I don't think the time zone is different from Seattle and Sacramento.
0: And even still, you know, she was a teenager. Yeah. Of course she would have gotten in trouble if she'd woken the whole house because yeah. her friend was ringing from Seattle and yeah. he would have known that too.
1: Yeah. Ooh, close call. Definitely a close
0: call. And our final story today comes from Astaroth. I realised that I had to email in after episode 59, when I laughed out loud at the idea that military members are highly trained to be logical. They're everyday people, and while they get training in many things, mostly muscle memory, they are still subject to their personal fears and unexpected incidences. Knowing, studying and even being engaged to a sailor who actively seeks out spooky things, I say with confidence that logic doesn't always come into play. On another part of the episode, the idea of intuitive really rang true to me, never having been comfortable with the other terms like psychic, sensitive, medium and during a particularly religious time in my life, prophet. My mother and I have a particularly strong link though she refuses to tell many stories of her paranormal past, telling me that she doesn't want them to find me. I enjoy all things paranormal, even though I'm agnostic, a sceptic, and have almost finished my bachelor's in psychology. I would also like to say that I have experienced and studied a variety of religions, mythos, and inexplicable events, and I do not believe in good or evil symbols or charms, only the intent put into them by the practitioner. As kids of a single working mom we moved often, usually every year when the lease was up so instability could have had a part in this particular house. I was about seven and my slightly younger brother and I shared a square room that seemed very normal. Two walls had large windows, another wall had the door and then cut into the fourth wall and facing the windows was a reading nook and we kept our toys in there. It had a seat of wood that was slightly too high to be comfortable built into it, and in the middle of one side was a small door, the kind you see in an attic that leads to the ductwork or something. Before you ask, no, we absolutely never ever in a million years were going to open that door. Maybe it was just rodents in the house that we heard, and maybe it was something else, but we were not taking the chance. The most common thing is that we would see claws outside of our window at night long spindly claws that scraped the glass our mother said it was the wind and trees but we knew that trees didn't have glowing red eyes or tap and scratch and gesture for us to open the window on calm nights that was better than seeing the red eyes under our bed which we only saw once and then never looked again if we heard the scratching there. It was in that house that the nightmares began for both of us, dreaming about shadow people and running, always running, along with the overwhelming urge to just give up and stop and let the monster catch us. When we finally moved, my mother found a large, jagged pentagram scratched into the wood floor, under the rug that had been left before we moved in. "'Leaving there felt like walking around in clothes after you've been thrown in a pool. "'You're not surprised drowning anymore, but you're still soggy and trying to go about your day. "'I'm thirty-six now and still have nightmares with the shadow creatures in them, "'always running in that house. "'I've tried to talk to my brother who's also a grown adult, if he still has them, "'and he deflects and won't talk about it. "'He will vaguely acknowledge that weird house with the eyes.' and my mother refuses to talk about it at all. I also see creeping shadows in the corners of my vision, watching me. Sometimes it'll be months, sometimes years, but I know they're the creatures from the dreams. I don't know if it's my overwhelming curiosity about the brain, but I'm not afraid of seeing them. I also keep track of the medications that I'm on at any given time because of chronic physiological and psychological issues. So I know they aren't a side effect from any particular medication. Several brain scans in my life have ruled out MS, strokes, tumors, etc., and yet there they are.
1: The uh, red eyes and the claw claws on the window under the, under the bed are terrifying.
0: Yes, very very terrifying. I absolutely terrifying.
1: Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't want to see that at my window. Definitely want to see want to see it under the bed. Fair play to you, Astaroth, and your brother, for seeing that under your bed and just deciding that the best way to deal with it was to not look. Yeah, that's a very, that's very tan energy. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to stay in the room, though, if I could see red eyes under my bed.
0: And clawing at your window? Yeah.
1: Fuck off. No. Absolutely not. No. I also don't like the fact that her mum said to her that she didn't want to tell her. Didn't want to tell him. Because
0: she didn't want them
1: to... To come for, yeah, who's come them? For those, for them? Yeah, exactly. Who is them?
0: You know, I got a message during the week on Instagram about somebody else who has a Freddy esque figure in their life. That's what this reminded me of yeah. during this story. And well, I was Freddie's
1: like... he's way nicer than this, though.
0: And uh, similarly, this person said that she finds him like a really good presence in her life.
1: Yeah, I think, I think Freddie gets a bad rap from you, to be honest. Yeah, I think he
0: does too. I'm sorry, Freddie, if you're listening. <laughs> so if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com where you can find links to our social media. You can find the email address to send your stories to, you can find links to our Patreon where for $5 or $2 a month, you get heaps of extra content. At the moment, I think we're on about 70 extra episodes and about 25 episodes of 50p Movie Club. So quite a lot of bonus content going on over there. And... If you can, we would really appreciate it if you could donate to Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation. The link to everything that you need is in the description of this episode. And thank you for your stories. We shall see you tomorrow. Bye.